Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Book Journeys Radio, an interview series for authors in transformation. From the basic fundamentals of selecting a book topic and overcoming writer's block to advanced techniques for publishing and marketing your books. Don't forget to check out our complete schedule and archive shows at blogtalkradio.com forward slash book dash journeys. Now, get ready to make a difference with your book with your host, founder of the Author Incubator, Dr. Angela Loria. Well, hey everyone, it's another week at Book Journeys Radio, and I am so excited to have you all here. Every week on the show, we talk to authors about their unique book journey. Nobody's journey looks exactly the same, but as authors and authors in transformation, there is so much we can learn from each other, and that is what we do every every week on this show. And this week is no exception. We actually have the author of two books with us. Um, I think Paul Smith will be able to confirm that book writing is addictive. So um, his first book, Lead with a Story, A Guide to Crafting Business Narratives that Captivate, Convince, and Inspire, uh, was followed up with his second book, Parenting with a Story, real-life lessons in character for parents and children to share. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about a series, what it means to have a series, because I, I see where he's going with this. And um, we'll talk about these books and his process, and hopefully you will get a couple gems of wisdom from Paul Smith. If you want to follow along, you can check out leadwithastory.com and learn more about him and his books. He is an author, a speaker, and a trainer. And um, I guess, Paul, let's thank you first. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me on. So let's start and talk about Lead with a Story because that was your first book. So what right. what is Lead with a Story about, and who is it for? So it's about leadership mostly, uh, but the vehicle to deliver leadership in this case is storytelling, as opposed to just bossing people around or or whatever other management fads you know come and go over the years uh, so it's uh it's primarily a, a leadership guide but uh, secondarily a a how to book on how to use storytelling to make you a better leader and to actually understand how to craft your own leadership stories Awesome. And then um, obviously that uh, that was released in, well, this isn't obvious, but that was released in, in 2012 and you wrote a second book. So tell us about Parenting with a Story and how you came up with that idea and who that's for. Yeah. So, and I guess uh, uh, I probably didn't finish answering your first question. So who it's for is obviously business leaders. So it's definitely a business book for a, a written for a business audience to help them be better leaders at work. So the, the idea of um, for the second one, actually came while I was writing the first one, uh, and it, literally while I was uh, I was writing it, I was sharing a number of the stories that I was collecting from people around the world, and um, and we'll probably get into this later. But but part of my my method of research is I I interview uh, over a hundred people around the world, or did for each of these books, and I'm collecting from them interesting, insightful, engaging, um, compelling stories from their life. And as I was doing that for the first book, and the, the stories were, were you know business stories, things that happened to people at work or lessons that they learned, etc. Um, as I was sharing those stories with people as a sounding board, I consistently heard feedback that said, gosh, I think I could use that story at home with my kids too. 
And wow. it, it dawned on me slowly that what, what that meant was that leading people at work is really in many ways similar to parenting kids at home. I mean, in both cases, you're you're the the, the the leader, you're responsible for them in some way, your goal is their ultimate development and their ultimate success, you you kind of get to tell them what to do. I mean, so there are many similarities between leading at work yeah, and parenting true. at home. Yeah, so that just made me realize, well, if these stories would work at home, maybe, maybe I, there really should be an entire book just full of stories that parents could use to teach their kids the life lessons that they want them to learn. And largely those are character lessons. So that's what the book became is, uh, a collection of short stories to teach character lessons to kids. So I have so much to ask you, um, and normally I don't go deeper into the book. Normally we'll start talking about the process of creating the book, mm-hmm. but because you teach people storytelling and some of the characteristics of storytelling, which matters to everyone writing a book, no matter whether you're writing fiction or nonfiction mm-hmm. or poetry for that matter. So I just wonder if we can tap into your storytelling expertise and if you could rattle off some some of your greatest tips. What are some, maybe three of your top tips for, for telling a great story? And I won't hold you to yeah. three if you have another number. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fine. Um, you know, I think the, the the first one would be how to find and identify a great story to begin with. Because um, I, I don't write fiction, so both my books are nonfiction. Um, so I don't have any advice for how to write, how to, how to you know, really make up stories. Um, but, and, but that's okay because I think there are enough fabulous stories in real life that <laughs> you can find plenty uh, without making them up. But um, uh, to find a great story in your past or somebody else's past, if you ask them questions like, gosh, tell me, tell me your best stories, I, I can almost guarantee you that you'll strike out. Uh, and, and I yeah, know I was going to say, all of a sudden, I'm st- you have absolutely yeah. numbed my brain. I'm like, oh, my God, I don't have any stories. I hope he doesn't ask yeah. me because I don't have any. <laughs> exactly. That's what everybody says. Oh, my gosh, my life's boring. I don't have any stories. Or, oh, gosh, I, I don't know. And, and it, it occurs to me that the reason why people don't have good stories to respond to a question like, what's your best story, is because we don't think of the most important things in our life, the most important moments in our life, as stories. We think of them as events in our life. Um, And in fact, it really hit home to me when I finished the first 20 or 30 of the interviews for the book. And uh, I I wrote up a story based on the interview and sent it to to the person I interviewed and said, okay, here's here's the story I'd like to tell based on one of the things you told me. And she wrote back and said, "Uh, gosh, that's great, but uh, I had no idea that's the kind of thing you were looking for because that's not really a story. That's just something that happened to me one time. (laughs) exactly that's what a story is and that's when i realized people don't think of stories as stories until it's been told and so what i found the kind of questions that actually work better are very specific questions about poignant moments in their life like tell me about a time in your life where you learned an important but completely unexpected lesson or what's the biggest mistake you've ever made and why or what are your three biggest regrets in life or what are the three smartest decisions you've ever made or or describe a vivid memory you have as a child where you felt terrible about how you made somebody else feel or you know so it's very specific questions about about events in their life that must have made a big impact on them and that will trigger them to just erupt with telling you the story about what happened and that will give you the main content for writing a story. So that would be tip number one is ask good questions, and you'll come up it. with great stories. Um, but if I had to pick a couple more, I would say, um, especially for nonfiction stories, I would say 
that structure matters, especially for short stories like I write. Um, and I think the structure is essentially beginning, middle, and end, or context, action, or result is what, is what I teach folks. Uh, and, and that's because in the business world, I find too many people telling a story, and they start with the action. Here, here's what happened. Um, and then their audience is left with this uh, you know, dumb look in their face, and they're rolling their eyes back in their head wondering, what? where's this story coming from? Where is it going? Why are you bothering me in the hallway telling me this story? And then they see that in their eyes, and they go, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Look, let me back up a second. See, what I should have told you first was that it was the middle of the night, and the building was on fire. And then they go, oh, well, now I understand why you were jumping out of the window with your pajamas on. I mean, it makes total right. sense now. But without that context, it's just a stupid story. So so start with context, then action, then result. And that's one of the biggest sins I see committed in, in, in executive storytelling is they, they skip to the action, and they've skipped the context, and therefore the story makes no sense to anybody. And, um, so if I had to pick a third one, since you asked for three, I would say mm-hmm. e- emotion. Um, and I'm sure this applies to fiction and non-fiction, but uh, especially for non-fiction, uh, and especially in a business setting, people assume that emotion is not not only not relevant but inappropriate to have as a component in a professional business story. And I think there's nothing further from the truth. In fact, I'm a I'm a fan of E.M. Forster, who I the, the novelist who said that a story is nothing more than a fact plus an emotion. You know, and he, he gave this brilliantly simple example of that. He said. Um, if I were to tell you the king died and then the queen died, well, that's not really a story, right? It's just a fact. But if I were to tell you the king died and then the queen died of grief, now that's a story. And it's mm-hmm. a story because you can wow. immediately imagine that the the queen must have so loved the king that when he died, she stopped eating and so she withered away. Or, or maybe she was so distraught that she took her own life. You, you know, you can imagine the stories that evolve just because of the last two words of Grief. So it's the emotion that really turns a fact into a story. Wow. Awesome. So for you, um, let's talk about your um, journey of creation. How mm-hmm. how did you decide to turn this into a book? Why did you decide to have a book project? Yeah, you know, it actually started with somebody else's book, and maybe that's how many authors get where they're they're going. Um, uh, Chip and Dan Heath wrote uh, have written three best-selling books, and the first one was Made to Stick, and I think it came out in 2007. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was Love still working book. full-time at – yeah, it's a great book. And I, I, I was still working full-time at Procter & Gamble, and I was teaching uh, uh, corporate you know, executive training courses within the company as, as part of a number of other things that I did there. But um, I ended up becoming their first uh, licensed trainer outside of P&G. I would go off, take oh. a vacation day, and – go off and teach people the content of that book because I just loved it and I had my own personal examples that I thought really made it come to life. And, um, you know, after a, a year of doing that, I thought, you know, I I, I really liked this. I, I really enjoyed doing this. And But if I want to do this myself full time, I really need to have my own book and not somebody else's book. And so that was mm. the motivation. Um, and then I just had to look for what would be the topic that I know enough about and that I would be passionate enough about to write an entire book on. And, and storytelling uh, quickly became that, that thing. I love that. So, and so, your what did you envision as the goal for the book? What did you? What would success look like? What was success in your mind? Yeah. So, uh, success for and this may be true for a number of nonfiction authors is that success isn't necessarily measured by how many books you sell because in in my line of work, 
the book is really the primary marketing vehicle for what I for what I really do. So so um so, but here's it's not my too crass. Did you know that before you started? Yes, I did. And 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 because I had been doing that training for the Heath brothers, right? So um so so you know, today I would say that 85 80 to 85% of my income comes from speaking and training fees and only 15 to 20% comes from book royalties. Um, and so you, I could say that I'm a writer but would uh, and you an get, author. But would you get the same number of training and speaking gigs without the book? Of course not. And so that's the, the, the point that I guess I'm trying to make rather clumsily is that the, the book really is the launching pad for a speaking and training career as opposed to a, a, an, a career in of itself for its own means. Does that make sense? Yes, Absolutely. And so going in, your your vision for success was obviously having a completed book, hopefully with good advice that helps people. Um, but how did you how did you want your your business to be different than the other things that came out of the book? Was it um, having having more of your own clients, or tell me what the goal was? Yeah, so the goal was to generate uh, clients that would want that would want to hire me to come to either be a keynote speaker at their event or teach a training class to their executives on how to be a better leader through storytelling themselves. So essentially teaching people the content of my book for the, the busy executive that doesn't have time to read a 280-page book, but he's, he's got four hours to spend in a classroom where I can you know, teach that to him or her and, and their executive team. So that's the, that's the business model, and that's exactly what happened. And so this is what I love because, and I don't know if you've met other authors like this, but one of the most common things I hear from authors when I say, what is the outcome you envision for your book? They will talk about very ethereal things like I want to get phone calls from people. I want people to tell me the book changed their life. I want to sell a lot of books, but they don't really know what outcome they want. It's very much a, if you build it, they will come sort of philosophy. And so they're hoping for something good to come out of their book, but they don't know what that is. But they see other people like you who have a speaking and training career, so they're hoping someone will call them and be like, hey, would you like to train some people? We liked your book. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love about your story is you went in with this specific goal of what you wanted. And now I want to talk about what, how close was what you got, knowing, creating the book in a way that would give you what you wanted. Have you gotten that? Have things surprised you because they've been harder or have other things shown up that maybe you didn't expect or didn't plan for? But how has the result been different than your imagination? Yeah, so there, you know, I'm sure there are parts of it that uh, – there are many parts that I didn't expect and some parts that I, I did expect. Um, you know, my, my goal, uh, my super stretch goal was to, for this to be successful enough that I could quit my day job and go do it full-time for a living, and, and, and that actually did happen. But the, the truth is I didn't really expect that to happen. I just hoped that that would happen. What I expected would probably happen is that it would be successful enough that I could have a, you know, a side job and uh, you know, do some of these things on vacation days and, um, and therefore have, just have a more interesting life and, and get some satisfaction out of the fact that I've written the book and I get to do, at least on a part-time basis, this thing that I love. Um, but I, I, I have to admit I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the – the success of the book. I think it's now in the seventh printing, and it's probably in six or seven languages around the world. And you know, I'd I'd, you know, I'd, I'd just be too arrogant by telling you that that's what I expected to happen. I mean, of course, I didn't expect that to happen. I'm happy that it happened, 
but I didn't expect it. And so, uh, so I, I, I did get to pursue that dream, and I did get to leave and um, and pursue that full time. So that that was a very pleasant surprise. You know, there are things along the way that are unpleasant surprises, like you know when you find out that you don't actually get to pick the title of your book, your publisher gets to, and you know uh, th- those little disappointments along the way where you find out you're not completely in charge of your own destiny are always you know interesting. Uh, I'm curious about that one since you brought it up. Um, so you published with a traditional publisher, um, mm-hmm. Am- Amacom Books, I believe. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's short Management for the American Association. Management Association. Yeah. Right. And so did you have another book in mind for your – another name in mind for your book? Because I like this name. Yeah, you know, I, well, I did. So uh, I had a different name in mind for both my books, and, and both times they got shot down. So, um, yeah, I would have called this uh, Leadership by Storytelling. And uh, I know that doesn't sound a whole lot different. I was going to say, their name is better. And that's why they get yeah. the big bucks. <laughs> exactly, you know, so they, they know a lot more about titling books than I do, right? So I've, I've, I've never done it. <laughs> so you know, maybe that's why they get to make those decisions. Yeah, so interesting. And but what I have heard a lot of authors talk about is not loving their title or not loving their cover and having to really yeah. come to terms with that. Was that um cuz your title wasn't that different. I've heard people that have had dramatically different titles. Did was it a process for you to come to terms with your title or did you get on board right away? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I eventually got over it, but uh, yeah. It's f- so first of all, you have to check your ego that you know, yeah, you're the author, but you know, they're running a business and they're the one sort of putting the money up for all of this, and so uh, they need to have their decision space as well. And the truth is, they probably will pick a more effective title than I will anyway. But yeah, I didn't like that title, and there have been things about it that I e- haven't liked after the fact. Like, you know, I've, I've often had people come up to me and say, "Oh yeah, I didn't read your book because uh, I already know what it's about." and I already know that. And I'm like, well, what, what do you mean by that? And they said, oh, well, no, you're just going to tell me that if I've got a big presentation to give, I should lead off with a story or a joke or something to kind of like lighten the mood. And I'm like, that is not all, nope. at all what the book is about. That, and, and that's what, one of the reasons I didn't like the title because it, it's this uh, double entendre, which, which sounds great, but if, if somebody only gets the, the entendre and not the, the main definition, like, yes, it, it kind of does mean lead off with a story but that's the secondary meaning. The main meaning is lead with a story, as in when you're being leadership. a leader, as in when you're practicing the, the art and craft of leadership, do it with a story. It doesn't mean kick off your speech with a joke. So th- mm. there the title kind of kind of bit me, you know. So I, but anyway, you know, and with parenting the story, I, uh, you know, I'd, I, that wasn't the title I would have chosen either. But, um, but what they want to do is, as you, I think you mentioned in the intro there, is, yeah. is to create a brand. I mean, so we got lead with a story, then we'll have parenting with a story, and they've already got, you know, they, they, the next book they want me to write is, um, you know, they've already, they've already told me what that is. And it's, of course, something with a story, right? So um, right. there's a branding benefit yeah, to doing I mean, that, that, even though me as the author doesn't like it. I saw both titles. I'm like, there could be ten books here. This is a whole franchise right. we got going. Exactly. Exactly. So ho- hopefully they're right, and it'll uh, it'll all work out for everybody that way. So let's talk about the trade offs. Obviously, when you work with a traditional publisher, um, you don't have. If you're self publishing, you could have called the book whatever whatever yep. you wanted, um, but you don't have that freedom. Tell me why traditional publishing was your choice for how you wanted to go with your book, and and what you think some of the advantages and maybe some of the disadvantages are. Yeah, and so I guess it goes back to the original goal, which remember my goal was 
you know, if my goal was to be able to call myself a published author at cocktail parties, then I would have self-published and been done with it. It would have been a lot easier, right? Um, and that's a very legitimate goal. I don't want to minimize that at all. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've been a, an avid reader my whole life, and I've always fancied myself that I'd love to be a writer and um, and you know have that about that part of me that is a, a published author. And so that's great. And if that's what you want, then that's a much faster route to do it. Um, but my goal, remember, was to create a business uh, of me as a speaker and trainer. And so to do that, I needed a book that would sell widely. Um, and and it didn't have to be my main moneymaker. Um, so that gives me the freedom to um, to go with a, uh, a traditional publisher, which is probably going to help me sell more books, even though I'm going to get a much lower royalty percentage out of it. But that's okay, because I'm going to make my money a different way. And so... The benefit of a one of the many benefits of a traditional publisher is that they they probably you'll sell more books, you know, because they've got salespeople that are selling it into all the bookstores in the country, and they've got a international sales force that's selling it to foreign publishers to get it translated and published in those countries, and those are just hard things to do on your own. Um, the trade-off, of course, is that you you don't get all the decision rights. Um, you, know, you can't title it what you want in the cover art, and they can you know tell you how they want to edit it and things like that. Um, you also have a trade-off, of course, with uh, the royalty. You know, your royalty rates are going to be much lower on a traditionally published book than a self-published book. Um, but it, you probably make that back with uh, the fact that you're selling more books. So maybe that's a trade-off. Um, but so that was my first plan. But you know, I said if that doesn't work out, then maybe I can go the self-published route as well. So that was a plan B, and I just got lucky, and plan A worked out. Uh, but I, w- I would have had no qualms with trying plan B if plan A hadn't worked out. And a lot of people talk about um, their publisher not being particularly helpful with marketing, but I know you said you've had a good experience in that regard. Yeah. Can you talk about what kind of marketing support your publisher has offered? Yeah, you know, they were great. In fact, well, like I said, like with the, the titling thing, you know, I, I wanted different titles, but you know, they they wanted something else. And the truth is they were probably right. They Like you said, they picked a better title. You you could tell as soon as I told you what I wanted to title it, that yeah. theirs was a better yeah, title. Yeah, I'm like, so, you know, they win. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they win, yeah. So, um, and with, with marketing, uh, they, they did do a fabulous job, especially with my um, first book. Um, you know, I think I ended up in Forbes magazine and Time and um, – Inc. and the Wall Street Journal, and you know, so that they have a PR department, you know, and I, I wouldn't have been able to do any of those things on my own, you know. They, they had the PR department that could, and the connections, to make that kind of thing happen. And in the book publishing business, it's all about PR, you know. That you, there's no paid advertising, you know, unless you're, you know, unless you're selling books that are about vampires or sex, or especially sex with vampires, you know, you're, you're not going to sell millions of copies, and it's not going to make any sense to pay for advertising. So it's all about PR, and they've just got a great PR department that uh, is well connected that way. And their 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 international sales group is fabulous too, because they, like I said, they they got it uh, sold into six or seven different publishers around the world in different languages, and that's something else I would have never been able to do on my own. And that, as I talk to other authors, I find out is not always, you know, done for their books as well. So I'm I'm very happy with uh, with what they've done. So one of the other things I noticed about Lead with a Story is, and this probably helps with the PR, if not some of the distribution, um, is that you have some pretty great um, praise from people like Chip Heath from Made to Stick, and um, you have people from Saatchi and Saatchi. You have uh, the former corporate storyteller for Procter & Gamble who knew they had a Mm -hmm. storyteller at Procter & Gamble, did not know that was a job. 
Um, yeah. But some really, like, impressive advanced praise. So what, first of all, tell us, you know, how you got that. It sounds like it was partly through connections, but what advice do you give to people for getting advanced praise? And then what role do you think it's played in your success? Okay. Um, let me answer it in the opposite order because okay. I'm, I'm not convinced that that makes a lot of difference. Um, uh-huh. and I, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't have... Uh, you know, a whole lot of data to prove that. That's just my, my, my supposition. Um, what I think is more important is having people personally talking about your book to their family, friends, neighbors, on their podcast, mm-hmm. in their radio show, you know, whatever. Um, so I, you know, just the way I personally buy a book, it's not that I look at the contents of a book and then turn to the back and see who's endorsed it and think, oh, well, if they liked it, then I, you know, that's just not the way I buy a book. And I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people buy a book that way. Um, and so... Uh, so I could be wrong, but what I did do, and I, I wish I was could say I was smart enough to have done this on purpose, but I, I wasn't. It just worked out this way. Um, the fact that the way I wrote my book was by interviewing a hundred, you know, CEOs and executives all over the world, and then telling stories about them in the book. Now I've got a hundred CEOs and executives around the world who are featured in my book, and you know, there's a little bit of an ego, um, you know, boost to being featured in a, in a book on leadership, you know. So now I got a hundred people out there talking about my book, and and yes, I can easily ask any of those hundred people for an endorsement for the back of the book. But I think what's more important than the three or four that made it to the back jacket are the ninety-six that are in their offices talking about the book and sharing it with their fellow executives and things like that. So I think that worked out for me as being more helpful than the three or four that made it to the back of the jacket. Wow. That is a great story and a great reason to include um, interviews in your book. I seriously, Paul, could talk to you for about two hours. You have so much advice, but we're almost out of time. So I guess in our last minute or two, I'd love to ask you for advice for uh, for people who want to write a book, who want to write a book that is going to help them to create or grow their business. And from everything you've learned, you've been on this journey for uh, two, two, three years now since you've had your book out. Um, what are some of your top lessons and takeaways for people who want a book that connects with their business like you have? Yeah, so the number one is, and I'm sure you hear this all the time, is don't give up. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I got turned down by my first seven, the first seven literary agents I pitched this, that first book idea to. Uh, but the eighth one said yes. You know, and so that eighth one helped me, you know, get to the – in fact, then she put together a list of here are the top ten publishers that I think might be interested in this book. Um, we're going to attack them in order, and the very first one she pitched it to wrote me a contract within a week. Um, but I spent six months going to, from agent to agent to agent getting told no, 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 and it would have been very easy to give up. Um, so you have to have a thick skin in this business, and if you passionately believe in your product and what it is you're writing about – and you love it so much, you'd, you'd write it with, if, even if nobody wants to publish it, which I think most writers really feel, then, then you're more likely to get it published because you're going to get told no a lot. Love it. Love it. Uh, leadwithastory.com. You can learn more about Paul Smith. He is uh, an author. He is a keynote speaker and a trainer. His books, Lead with a Story and Parenting with a Story, are really about leadership as a parent or in business and using storytelling to lead from from that place of connection. Um, thank you so much for being our guest today, Paul. I've loved talking to you. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me on.
And we will be back next week at Book Journeys Radio, changing the world one book at a time. This has been another episode of Book Journeys Radio, where we're changing the world one book at a time. To find out more about how you can get your book written, published, and promoted, visit www.theauthorincubator.com.